Welcome to the Tax Professionals Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you improve your tax career. Here's your host, Jack Bonehill. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Tax Professionals Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about tax research so that you can undertake tax research effectively. Just to clarify, when I talk about tax research, I mean having to undertake research to find out the answer to a tax question or problem. For example, you could be posed with a tax question, what is a tax and national insurance treatment of providing vouchers to employees? This is a relatively simple question, and so you may already know the answer to this, particularly if you work in employment tax. However, if you didn't know the answer to this question, and you needed to, you would have to undertake research in order to find the answer to the query. This is what I mean by tax research. This episode will be broken down into broadly the following topics. Available resources and credible resources. How to choose which resources to use. How to become familiar with the resources available to you. And then some tips for undertaking better tax research. Without further ado, let's begin. Okay, so first off, let's talk about available resources and then also credible resources. If you're like most people, as soon as you get a question that you don't know the answer to, you'll probably turn straight to Google. So, using the question from earlier as an example, you might just type in, what is the tax treatment of providing vouchers to employees? For relatively simple questions, you may get a response straight away out of Google, which is great. However, for those questions that are a bit more tricky and unusual, it's unlikely that Google will return a straight answer to your question. There are also some dangers of just generally using Google for tax research. Literally anyone can post an answer onto the internet nowadays, so there's no guarantee that the answer you find is correct. This is one of the reasons why it's important to use credible resources. Another reason to use credible resources is that tax rules and legislation change frequently, so it's very easy for some information to become out of date. So, make sure you use Google with caution. There are lots of credible resources out there. Some are free to use and some are not. Examples of credible resources are HMRC's guidance and manuals, updated legislation, case law, tax guidance books such as those provided by Tollies, Bloomsbury and Claritax, online subscription resources or libraries such as Corona Eye, Practical Law and Ross Martin. As you can see, there's lots of credible resources out there available to use. This may be overwhelming, but how do you know which credible resources you should use? The resources that you should use will usually depend upon the research that needs to be undertaken. However, in most cases, you should probably be using HMRC guidance in tandem with legislation. Now, I understand that you really may not like the thought of using tax legislation. However, Being able to use it for tax research, in my opinion, is extremely useful. However, I do get that tax legislation can be overwhelming. I mean, just in relation to direct tax, there's six yellow tollies tax books covering all the legislation for the direct taxes. I mean six, and all of them have thousands of pages in. On top of that, it's as if they've been written just to confuse people and not to make sense. If you use them regularly and become familiar with them, they're actually not that bad to use. I personally think the tax legislation is the most useful resource to have and use. As said earlier, legislation should definitely be used in tandem with HMRC guidance. If you don't already know of the relevant HMRC guidance to the field you work in, and similarly with the legislation, I recommend you take some time to make sure you understand what the key ones are. 
You could always just ask a colleague if you're unsure. For me, working in employment tax, the main pieces of HMRC guidance that I use are the Employment Income Manual, the Employment Status Manual, the Pay As You Earn Manual and the National Insurance Manual. For those of you that work in VAT, you'll probably use the VAT notices regularly. For me, working in employment tax, useful pieces of legislation that I use regularly are a TEPA 2003 and the Pay As You Earn regulations. If you work in corporation tax, the main piece of legislation might be the Corporation Tax Act 2009 and the Corporation Tax Act 2010. If you work in VAT, it might be the VAT Act 1994 or even the VAT regulations. Although you could keep research simple and just use HMRC guidance and use legislation, it is helpful to have at least one other resource that you use regularly and are familiar with. For example, at Danes we have Krona Eye, which is what I use alongside HMRC guidance and legislation. However, we do have lots of different resources available to us at Danes. For example, we have access to Bloomsbury's online tax library. We have our own tax library which has physical books in, such as those from Tolly's and Simon's Taxes books. However, there's no need to use all these resources when undertaking one piece of research. In fact, if you end up using all of these, you're probably just going to end up reading the same thing over and over again and it's just going to be a waste of time. Keep it simple. Mainly use legislation and HMRC's guidance along with one other resource. There are times when it will be useful to use other resources. For example, there might be some resources out there that are very specific to one topic. For example, when it comes to doing expatriate research, I always find it best to go to Tolly's expatriate tax planning book. There may be occasions where you're really struggling to find the answer to your question with the resources that you normally use. In these circumstances, it's a good idea to have a look at the other resources you have available to you. You might find out that there is a really good resource you have that's particular for the topic you're looking into. So once you know what credible resources you're going to use, it's really helpful to try and become familiar with these resources. Doing this will make it easier to undertake tax research because you'll be able to navigate your way through the resources you have more easily. A good way to do this is to try to understand the structure of the resource that you're using. Let's take legislation as an example. Acts, such as ITEPA 2003 for example, are usually broken down into parts, chapters and then sections within each chapter. There may also be schedules at the end. Each of these will usually have a heading or name. This will help you to understand what each part, chapter or section covers. Let's take part 3 of ITEPA 2003 as an example. Part 3 is called Employment Income, Earnings and Benefits. As ITEPA 2003 is in relation to employees, it's pretty clear that this part will cover benefits in kind. Chapter 6 of Part 3 is called Taxable Benefits, Cars, Vans and Related Benefits. It's pretty clear that this chapter will cover the taxable benefits related to company cars and company vans. I could then look at each of the sections under this chapter to get more of an idea of what's covered by the chapter. For example, Looking at section 121, it's called Method of Calculating the Cash Equivalent of the Benefit of a Car. So now I know, for example, that chapter 6 deals with how to calculate the taxable benefit value. I could continue to do that through the whole of ITEPA 2003's contents page, and after doing so, I'd have a pretty good idea of what ITEPA 2003 covers. Something else which might be helpful is that in some pieces of legislation, there's a summary right at the beginning. Again, using ITEPA 2003 for example, 
Section 3, right at the start of the legislation, is called Structure of the Employment Income Parts. If I go to Section 3, there's a high-level overview of what each part of the legislation deals with. For example, it says, Part 4 deals with exemptions from the charter tax under Part 1. That's very helpful. Although I've been using ITEPA 2003 as an example here, you could do this with any piece of legislation. You can apply similar strategies with HMRC manuals and guidance. In relation to each HMRC manual, they usually have an introduction right at the start which explains what the manual is meant to cover and in some circumstances they may even explain how the guidance is structured. Take a look at these pages as they will inevitably help you to locate the correct pages within the manuals. Similar to with the legislation, the manuals are broken down into different sections. You can usually see these sections by going into the first page of the manual. For example, one of the sections in the Employment Income Manual is called the Benefits Code, Car and Car Fuel Benefit. It's pretty clear that anything in relation to car benefits will be within this section of the manual. I understand that I might be talking about all this as if it's really easy and simple to do, but I do know that it isn't. It does take time to get used to legislation and also guidance. The only way you can really do that is by using it and becoming familiar with it that way. One tip I can give you to help you become more familiar with guidance and legislation is when you're undertaking research, take a little time to explore the manuals and legislation in a bit more detail than you need to at the time. So, for example, let's say you need to figure out whether or not a tax-free loan to an employee of £5,000 a year is taxable or not. Once you found out the answer that the loan is not a taxable benefit on the employee, you would undertake a bit more research to try and figure out when a loan is taxable. Not only will this help you become more familiar with the legislation, it will also bolster your tax knowledge. I recommend you do this as early as possible in your tax career. It will save you time in the long run. When you become more senior, you probably won't have the time to do it. So in this section, I'm going to give you some tips so that you can undertake tax research better. Undertaking tax research is difficult, and so you should acknowledge the difficulty of it. You're definitely not alone in finding it difficult, but do know that the more you practice it, the easier it will become. It's usually best to start the research with a credible resource that you're most comfortable with, whether this is legislation, HMRC's guidance or otherwise. Even if it turns out that you can't find the answer in the resource that you're comfortable with, you'll usually have got some useful information that will help you find the answer easier. There will be occasions where you literally have no idea where to start at all. This does happen, usually where you're asked a completely new question. In these circumstances, there's two ways that I would approach this. You could always ask a colleague for direction in the first instance. They may have already done research on something similar before and so have a good idea where to start. You could also start with Google, but do use Google with caution. Google can be great for getting a starting point, but make sure that whatever answers you find using Google that you back up with a credible resource. In the next section, I'll be giving you some tips to make sure that you can use Google better to undertake tax research. Regardless of which resource you use, it's usually useful to make sure you understand HMRC's view on the subject if they have one that they've made public. This is because HMRC will not contest this view, so if a client wants to be safe, they can follow this view. However, it's always worth remembering that HMRC's view is exactly that, their view. It isn't legislation. There are opportunities where you can take a different view to HMRC. This is why I'd never just use HMRC's guidance. I would always personally look in at least one other place, whether that's legislation or some other guidance. If you are to use legislation, 
it is helpful to understand the difference between primary legislation and secondary legislation. Primary legislation is the main laws passed by Parliament. An example of primary legislation is an Act. Sometimes these are referred to as statutes, and some examples of them are Marotepa 2003, the Corporation Tax Act 2009, and the Taxes Management Act 1970. Secondary legislation is made by a person or body under authority within primary legislation. The primary legislation in this case can be called enabling legislation. Examples of secondary legislation are statutory instruments which include regulations such as the pay-as-you-earn regulations 2003. On a practical level, primary legislation tends to be more high level than secondary legislation. Primary legislation tends to lay out the rules and secondary legislation tends to deal with how they're enforced. Coming back to ITEPA 2003 as an example, ITEPA 2003 lays out when an amount paid to an employee is taxable, but the pay-as-you-earn regulations for secondary legislation lays how that tax is to be collected. This next tip may sound a bit silly, but don't be afraid to use a dictionary. When you're looking in legislation and guidance, there may be words you come across that you don't fully understand. You may be able to understand the gist of something from context, but you may not, or even worse, you may interpret something completely wrong. Using the dictionary can help prevent this from happening. There's plenty of ones you can use online, just Google an online dictionary. Personally, I tend to use the online Cambridge Dictionary, as I find that one the most easy to use. Undertaking tax research can at times be very time-consuming. This can usually happen when you're trying to find the answer to something where there's unusual circumstances. Imagine then if you have to end up doing the same research again. I had to do this lots of times in my first few years working in tax. It can also be frustrating doing the exact same research again. To combat this, I have an online file where I save down any useful pages that I've found from undertaking complicated research. Why not give it a try? You might find that it's useful too. In this section, I'll give you some tips that you can undertake better searches using Google. Earlier, I did say that Google should be avoided, generally speaking, when undertaking tax research. This is because it's very easy to come across resources that are not credible. However, Google can be a good place to start when you have no idea where to start, and it can also be used to help find other credible resources. So, a lot of people don't realise that Google has what's known as search operators, and these can be used to undertake more specific searches and get more specific results back. There are lots of Google search operators which can easily be found by undertaking a Google search. However, there's four operators in particular that are particularly useful when undertaking tax research. The first one is called the site operator. So if you type in the word site, S-I-T-E, with a colon after it, and then you put a website immediately after that, all search results that Google will return will be in relation to that website only. I would typically use this operator with the government website www.gov.uk. I know that the government website is a credible resource and many of the pages that are returned are actually from HMRC. The next useful search operator is what's known as the exact match operator. This is used by surrounding a single word or a phrase by quotation marks. If you put speech marks around a single word, then Google will return only web pages that have that word on it. If you put speech marks around a phrase, then Google will only return web pages that have that exact phrase with the words in the order that you have put them in. Let's take an example. Let's say you were doing tax research in relation to entrepreneur's relief. If you just typed in entrepreneur's relief and didn't put them in double quotation marks, 
then Google would return pages that had the word entrepreneur on and also pages that had relief on. But these words don't necessarily have to be together. By using the double quotation marks, Google will only return pages that have entrepreneur's relief as a single phrase. This makes your search more specific than just typing entrepreneur's relief without using the double quotation marks. There may be times where you're not sure on the exact phrase that you want to search for, however, and you may want to search for a few different ones at once. To do this, you can still use the double quotation marks, but then use the OR operator between them. To use the OR operator, between each phrase that's in double quotation marks, just put a capital OR between them. This would then return pages that have at least one of the phrases on them. The last useful search operator that I use regularly is the AND operator. This can allow you to be even more specific than just using double quotation marks alone. Whereas the OR operator allows you to return pages that has one of the phrases you're searching for on it, the AND operator allows you to search for pages that has both of the phrases on it. Let's say you're doing research into when travel expenses can be paid to an employee tax-free, but you wanted to make this specifically in relation to train travel, then you could do a search result with travel expenses in double quotation marks, then the word AND all in capitals, and another speech mark with train tickets. Google will then only return pages that has the words travel expenses on and also has the words train tickets on. Google allows you to mix and match operators, so you could use the site operator, the exact match operator and the all operator. Why not give it a try? That covers everything for this episode. To summarise this episode, Make sure that any research you undertake is backed up with credible resources. This could be HMRC guidance, up-to-date tax legislation, or some paid resources that are available to you. Become familiar with the resources that you decide to use in undertaking your research. This will make undertaking research easier and more efficient. Always understand HMRC's view. Don't be scared to ask colleagues for direction or support. Tax research is difficult and it's better to ask for help than spend lots of time not getting anywhere. If you're using Google, use search operators to get more specific results. However, whenever you use Google for tax research, make sure you back it up with a credible resource. In the next week, if possible, I challenge you to understand the available resources you have that you can use to undertake tax research. Once you understand the resources available, take a little time to figure out which of those resources will be useful for you and your job. In relation to one resource, why not try and get a high level understanding of what the resource contains? This could be done by looking at the introduction, a contents page or even the index. Show notes which include information about the episode and resources mentioned can be found at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpp1. There is a link to an article about Google search operators which I think you'll find useful. TTPP1 stands for the Tax Professionals Podcast Episode 1 and if you're like me and struggle to spell professional but it's spelled with one F and two S's. That's it for this episode. I hope you found the episode useful and have taken away some useful points that can help you improve and develop your tax career. Until next time.